Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a special episode of Freedom Books, Flowers and the Moon. In popular science books, including Seven Brief Lessons on Physics and Reality is Not What It Seems, the Italian theoretical physicist Carlo Rovelli has studied the phenomena, namely time and space, that structure our very existence. In doing so, he has become something of a phenomenon himself, praised for his charm, clarity and humour, things we might not immediately associate with the field of quantum gravity. The world is, he says, far more complicated than what we see putting it mildly there. Reality, he shows time and again in his books, is mind-blowing. The TLS's Samuel Graydon carved out some space-time to talk to Carlo Rovelli about his most recent book, The Order of Time, and before grappling with the problem of what time is precisely, Sam began by asking what time is not. The Times is a great newspaper, where the Times is singular, right? Uh, but the Times are changing, the Times is plural, I think this is a, in, 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 in a one sentence. What I show is that uh, what time is not is to be singular, to be one thing. Time is not one singular thing, one singular compact uh, concept. Uh, time is something that can be broken apart, and in fact is broken apart. And in the first part of the book, I do break it apart uh, by showing that there are layers in our notion of time. And these layers uh, are distinct, so distinct that in fact, uh, we learn that they're independent from one another by showing them to be wrong in nature once we look more close into nature. And the first chapter is uh, one of the most uh, striking effects of general relativity that was actually anticipated by Einstein a century ago. But nowadays, finally, we can measure it and we can confirm it uh, clearly, which is that time goes at a different speed uh, depending on where you are. So from some initial event, some snapping of a finger, to some final event, snapping of a finger, the time interval depends of how you're moving and uh, depends of where you are. So to Twins uh, born in the same day could meet sometime later. One is aged much more and one is aged less. So they have different ages uh, sometimes. And that's an effect which is real. Uh, it can be m measured today with real clocks. Uh, and uh, we don't see it just because the effect is small here around on Earth, because we live in a particularly quiet area of the universe where this doesn't happen much. Uh, but it's a real thing. So time is not unique. That's the first layer that times loses. So the twins are different ages because one was traveling at a different speed from another one. 
or was in a different place to another one? Right. There are two effects, in fact. One is uh, uh, due to speed and one is due to location. If one of the two travels much faster, uh, so goes back and forth rapidly uh, from the moment they separate to the moment they meet, uh, this one is going to be younger. And if uh, one of the two goes to the mountains, <laughs> so it goes more away from the Earth, uh, it's going to be older. So the more you go close to the Earth, the more you go close to a mass, uh, the more time passes slowly in the sense that you don't age. Of course, for you, time is always time, right? For you, one hour is one hour. But once you compare to somebody who has been elsewhere, you, you get the difference. Yeah. So there are multiple times. Well, there are multiple times, yeah, right. Yeah. So time is not singular, it's, it's plural. It begins to be plural. And you say something which I found disconcerting. You said the consequences of, of time passing a different rate in the same place is that that means that there is no now to yes. speak of. It's definitely disconcerting. In fact, the more you think about it, the more <laughs> it looks disconcerting. It's hard to square with our understanding of the world. And in fact, uh, there are many philosophers today who are working around this fact. Some philosophers are trying to confront this and say, how do we rethink reality? How are we supposed to rethink reality uh, after we have learned that? Because that's, again, is a fact. Let me step back a moment. Why do we believe that time is the same for everybody? Because in our experience, it's the same for everybody, right? Because it's effect uh, are very small, so we don't detect them. Good. So now, what do we mean by the same time? What do we mean by now? I can look at you, you look at me, and uh, I see you now, you see me now, and we clearly are in the same now. There's no doubt that we're in the same now, right? I see you moving a hand, and I move a hand, and, and I know exactly when. But we are very close. We're very close, meaning uh, that the, t the time light takes to go from you to me is very small. In fact, it's nanoseconds, which is, uh, is, is much smaller than anything we can, uh, uh, we can separate with our mind. If somebody's in New York and I communicate with this person, the time it takes voice to go back and forth via radio or telephone uh, is milliseconds, can be milliseconds, a little bit more. So I hear that person and that person hear me in a common shared time. But if somebody's far away, The time it takes the voice to come from that person to me and then back from me to that person is very long. So in the meanwhile, that person has uh, time there, have lapsed uh, maybe 15 minutes if uh, she's in uh, uh, Jupiter or millennia if uh, she's in a faraway star or maybe millions of years if it's a faraway galaxy. Now, when exactly in the middle of these millions of years now there, Well, it turns out that if you try to solve this question precisely, you just there's no there's no meaning to that. There's no meaning to ask what's happening now. We're just extrapolating uh, illegitimately the now that we share you and I, which are which are nearby. So the proper meaning of now is like a bubble around us, uh, which has a, a size which is determined by how far can go light in the time that we cannot resolve. So the question what is asking now on uh, Andromeda, the uh, galaxy far away, it's just a meaningful, meaningless question. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, and in fact, in general relativity, uh, we get a mathematical description of space-time and how all these time distortions. And uh, so we can make a picture of the history of the universe, uh, which works pretty well and uh, matches with our observation. 
if you, in this model we have of the universe, we are, you ask the question, what is the now? Where is the now? There's no answer. There's not any decent answer to that. So this intuition we have that the entire reality now is in some configuration and a moment later is another configuration is not good for thinking the world at large. By which you mean the, the universe. The universe uh, at large, know. right. And I'm willing to be shot down. In fact, I'm, I'm asking for it. Are you saying that now doesn't exist because we need communication? We need light to travel from a place to another in which to tell time. Could we not say that the light takes a year to get somewhere while what was happening a year ago when the light set out? Would that not be approximate to the, the same time? So... Could we not say that after all, there is a common now, we just don't detect it with sending lights back and forth? That's what you're asking. Um, well, you could, but you would add something to what we see about the universe, uh, which uh, there is no way to detect it. There's not a unique way. You, you could do it in one way. I could do it in another way. And there's no way whatsoever to say who is right. That's one of the things the philosopher debating. Is that something we have to rely up, upon? We might do that, but I think, and that's my opinion shared by many, that if we do that, we're just forcing our intuition where it does not belong to. Because we know the source of our intuition. The source of our intuition is that life is so fast that we can't talk about the common now. So we are looking at the world around us and then pretending to use notions that make sense here, pretending to use it elsewhere, and they might just not belong. It's like, you know, an Englishman going to French and asking, where is the, where is the queen? It just, there's no queen. And he says, well, but you have a queen. Maybe you don't know, but you have a queen. Right, but there's no queen in France. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so we've, we've dealt with now. There's no now. No now, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, and then you follow fast upon that by saying that there is no discernible difference between the past and future either. This came as a surprise in the slowly through the development of, of physics because uh, everybody was expecting that the law of physics uh, would make a clear difference between the past direction and the future direction. Uh, why? Well, because in our experience, the future is completely different from the past. It's dramatically different from the past, right? We remember the future, we don't remember the past. Uh, we break glasses, we don't unbreak glasses and so on. The more the, the equations of the world were written down, the more it came as a surprise that the equations are symmetric in going ahead or back in time. So where does the difference come from? Well, the difference come from this, it's a long story that I try to tell in the book uh, that was unraveled through the, uh, the study of thermodynamics and the statistical mechanics, the work of Clausius first and then Boltzmann especially, which at the end showed that uh, it's a statistical difference, the past from the future. So it's something that has to do with the fact that we don't look at the mechanics of the world, but we make big averages. We have a blurred perception of reality. I look at the glass of water and I see a quiet glass of water and I don't see all the motions, the fast motions inside. In this blurring of reality, which is what uh, is called cross-grain or macroscopic description in, in, in statistical mechanics and in thermodynamics, uh, only from this perspective, uh, there is a distinction between the past and the future. And that's 
totally shocking because it seems that uh, there is something in the distinction between past and future which is not in the things, but in, is in our perspective on the things. Yes. I think that that's ultimately the right answer. So the distinction between past and future is strongly connected to the particular way we look at reality. Not because it's an illusion, but it's because we connect to a few macroscopic aspect of reality. The world is far more complicated than what we see. And we catch a little bit of it, and the way we catch it is such that it's oriented in time. It's mind-blowing, right? It's the non-existence of the present because, wow, but then the, the core of reality is so much different uh, than our experience. But it's not an illusion, though, that our experience of time, the flowing of time that we experience, while not existing on a fundamental level, can still be said to exist. Absolutely. A cat is not something that exists at the fundamental level, right? There are no cats at the microscopic level, but nobody would say that a cat is an illusion. A cat <laughs> is real. It's just real, but composed uh, by many things. So the direction of time, it's a, it's a result of a composition of many things, which include our own relation with the rest of the world. Okay. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And that relates to, you talked about Boltzmann and Clausius. Yeah. So we're talking about, at some level, we're talking about entropy. Yeah. I'm wondering if you... First of all, could just tell me what entropy is, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> entropy is uh, uh, comes into the the story because uh, uh, it comes into the single equation that distinguishes the past from the future, which is the growth of entropy, the so-called uh, second principle of thermodynamics. Entropy is a measure of uh, how much a system is uh, disordered or ordered. Uh, in fact, more precisely, is how it is disordered. Namely, if you have a a set of white and black balls and you put all the white on one side and the black on the other side, this is low entropy. And if you mix them, this is high entropy. So it's a, it's a technical way of measuring this, how things get mixed up with confusion. And of course, when you mix things, if you mix a, a bag of white and black balls, uh, 
they go from ordered to disordered, so entropy grows. And uh, it turns out that uh, this is everything we, we know about the difference between the future and the past. All the phenomena that distinguish the future from the past uh, is all like the white and black balls getting mixed. So the universe is oriented because it's like mixing itself, so in some sense. And what is extraordinary, what I found extraordinary, is that all the phenomena which are time-oriented are, are like that. I mean, the reason for which uh, we remember the past and not the future the reason for which we talk about cause and effect and the cause comes become after the effect, even the reason for which we think in time, right? We, we think ahead in time. This is all a mixing of, th of atoms, a disordering of things. The, the driving force is just a, the disordering of things, or if you want, the fact that in the past, for something which is not completely clear, things which were ordered. And uh, order is to a large extent in the eyes of the person who looks. Because you may see balls black and white, but somebody may distinguish them between, I don't know, slightly larger, slightly smaller, or something else. So for him, order would be putting the... the somebody could be colorblind and not distinguish yeah, <laughs> different yeah. colors. So that's a, the, the reason, uh, the direction of time... Uh, can be a perspectival of effect because uh, it can all be reduced to this uh, increasing of disorder, but the order depends on our description of things. So entropy only increases in the macroscopic? Entropy only increases in the macroscopic uh, sense. It's only We can talk all about entropy if instead of describing the individual mechanics of the balls, we just talk, uh, count how many white and how many black, which is a very approximate information of the... So is this an approximation? Entropy is a, it's a macroscopic notion, it's a statistical notion, the growth of entropy is the only law that distinguishes the past from the future. Which is quite something, I should imagine. Right. <laughs> so we're up to the point where there is no past, present and future, which seems to be the only things you can take away from time. And then you say that there's something else, that the idea that we were given by Newton, the, the common preconception that time is a, a variable unto its own, a separate thing from the world we live in is also wrong. It's also wrong. And uh, uh, this is the origin of my interest of time because I work in quantum gravity, and uh, which is a problem of bringing together uh, Einstein uh, space-time theory, Einstein relativity with, uh, um, with quantum mechanics. And uh, uh, somehow physicists stumbled on the fact that when you try to put these two theories together, you're naturally led to write some equations when there is no time variable at all. Or if you want, there is no special variable that plays a role of time. You have variables describing the world, but it's not like the usual equations when there is a T variable and you describe how everything changes in T. In the equations of quantum gravity, you have all these variables and uh, no, none of these plays a particular role. So in a very technical sense, there's no time. There's no time variable there. Um, but they seem to work. We're not sure. We're working on them, but they seem to work very well. So the hypothesis, and here we are moving from uh, uh, sort of well-established physics to the physics on which me and many of my colleagues are working today, but it's not solid established science yet. 
the hypothesis is uh, that if you want to describe the world at the fundamental level, you, you take away this piece of time, you take away this other piece of time, you take away this other piece of time, well, you end up with a theory where you have a number of variables and none of this is a time variable. So you forget time. And so, well, that leaves us with the question of what variables do you use to measure what we what we call time exactly so that leaves us with a with a question which perhaps is the most interesting of all which is uh, in a sense how from this timeless world with all the variables are the same we move up to our understanding of time and uh, this is something that science of, often has has done right is so you, you you realize that some aspect of the world that seemed fundamental is not fundamental you give it up but then of course you have to come back and understand where where it comes from right is uh, we see the world colorful uh, but the atoms don't have a color so there's no color in 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 the fundamental structure of the world but we know that there are frequencies and our eyes uh, have uh, detectors that cap di- distinguish different frequencies and that's what we call color and we have three kind of detectors and that why that's why there are three basic colors in the world and so on so we understand color not as a fundamental thing but as something that comes from the particular structure of our eye and the way it interact with uh, with the rest so we have to do something similar with time and we have to go from the fundamental timeless description of the world back to our experience of time or a very complex experience of time and this is a long path is a long path and that's why i said at the beginning the time is plural because uh, uh, it's not just one step it's not just aha in the fundamental theory of the world that's variable look to us as time because this or that it's it's many layers in which you reconstruct the properties of time one by one by adding particular situation or, or, or structure and the beginning is, is statistical is thermodynamical again so once you describe a timeless basic theory in an approximate way in a way which is not easy to explain but i try to do that in the book so the, please don't ask me to do it here no, no. <laughs> um quite naturally a time variable gets selected this variable depends on the particular simplification of the world or the particular perspective on the world that we use and since we as human being are connected to the rest of the world with some variables but not all of them we naturally induce a, a, a blurred vision of the world uh, and this automatically picks up a, a, a temporal variable and uh, if we are in a particular situation this uh, the flow along this temporal variable is oriented uh, so there's entropy gl- growing from the moment in which there's entropy with respect to this flow in the uh, present which is local local present there are traces of the past and traces of the past allow memories and memories is the key ingredient that our brain uses to build this uh, complex notion we have which is time so you have to go from fundamental physics to statistical mechanics thermodynamics to our particular location and you have to study the way the brain works to reconstruct the full complexity of the notion of time because it's such a localized thing would it be for example a meaningless thing to say that the universe is 13.8 billion years old is that only relevant to our perception of time no because uh, it it is meaningful it's just far from an exact statement 
In fact, taken literally is a wrong statement because uh, it's an average statement, right? A, this is a, the, the universe has that age in these cosmological models that we use. But of course, in any galaxy, uh, time goes at different speed uh, and outside the galaxy, um, uh, time goes faster than inside the galaxy. So if, if, if we had two clocks at the Big Bang uh, and uh, one followed us and is with us now and one was in interstellar space or intergalactic space and we bring them together, they would not indicate the same time because the universe doesn't have a single uh, time. However, our notions of time come from approximations and the universe has a good uh, kindness of being quite homogeneous, especially on a large scale. So more or less is, is, is all the same. So more or less there is a common time, which is the 13 or 14, whatever billions years uh, that we study in cosmology. Okay. So, and this partially relates to how we then, how we then measure time and you talk about how the universe is made up of events and happenings instead of things. And that we, we have to use these events and happenings as a tool to start measuring time instead of saying concretely there is this time. Yes. Um, uh, I could say that um, the fact that at the fundamental level we don't use a time variable uh, should not be taken as meaning that at the fundamental level, everything is frozen. Uh, one shouldn't have the intuition of an ice world, uh, nothing moves, uh, there's no time because nothing moves. In, in a sense, it's, it's completely the opposite. Um, a, a frozen world with nothing, where nothing moves, uh, in our intuition, is a world where time passes and nothing changes. Right, it's, yes, that's, yes. that's the idea of frozen. Time keeps passing, and everything is 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 not moving. Everything is just frozen there. And um, the right intuition for the fundamental structure of reality is exactly the opposite. So forget the passing of time, and don't think as thing don't don't think about things which are there, but think about events. Um, a thing is uh, uh, is like a stone, something which you can recognize now, yesterday, tomorrow that permeate through times. An event uh, is like snapping of a finger, uh, something which happens, which has a, a, a duration, a short duration, and is a, a location. Um, I, in, in, the, in, in the book, I say a kiss is, a, is, is an event, right? You make no sense to ask where is tomorrow the kiss. That is, is a... So if, if we want to think about the reality in a, in a way that seems to work, to work from the perspective of physicists, uh, we have to think as the, a collection of events, things that are happening, but they are not happening in a common time. They are happening each one related to, say, the surrounding ones somehow in a completely disordered fashion, a completely disordered manner. So the world is not made by things. The world is made by events. And these events are um, vaguely connected to one another without having neither a linear order in, in, in a in a single sequence, it's like our intuition of a single time, nor even the connection that is in, in Einstein's theory of general relativity on distorted space-time, because there's quantum mechanics. So the title of my book is The Order of Time, but should have been The Disorder of Time. The Disorder of Time, <laughs> which again brings us back to entropy, I suppose. Right. But, uh, right. 
So on the topic of entropy, fi- finally then, you say that, and it's the uh, title of one of the sections of your book, it, that you say, it is entropy, not energy, that drives the world. You're actually talking about not the universe, but the world. And I, I, that was fascinating as well. That, could you explain that, how we've been sort of misled to believe that energy is the source of... Well, look, we, we learned at school that energy is conserved, hmm. right? So energy is never destroyed and never created. Uh, so why do we need energy? I mean, we have all the energy we want, right? It's just, we don't need more energy than that, right? W- what are we doing with the energy? That When we, we need oil to make machines work, or we need food, we tell ourselves we need energy. Uh, we're misleading other, us a little bit. What we need is uh, energy we can use, okay? And what happens is that we burn the oil, Uh, we burn the food inside us. And by burning it, we're not destroying the energy. We're just transforming the energy in a different kind of energy, which is heat, essentially, which we cannot use it anymore because we cannot eat heat. Uh, Otherwise, you know, in the Sahara, uh, you could eat easily by eating the sand, but you cannot eat just heat. And and so what is happening? What is happening is that uh, the chemical energy in food or in oil is transformed in um, heat, which is motion of molecules. And this transformation is, a, is an increasing of disorder. You're breaking up the molecules of food. And, uh, and so we're increasing entropy. So what we need is uh, energy in the form of low entropy. So in a sense, what we need is low entropy. We need to eat low entropy and the machine for works need low entropy. And that is destroyed because entropy grows. So what pushes the world what makes the world moving is low entropy, it's not energy. What industry need, what you need in the morning to wake up when you drink a glass of, uh, of orange juice is, uh, is low entropy. Uh, that's what we get from the food and that's what we get from the sun because the photons that come from the sun have low entropy while the photons that the Earth uh, sends out to the, to the black space uh, are, are much cooler and have higher entropy. So the energy balance, uh, that energy that comes in and goes out is, is the same. In fact, if it is not the same, it's a disaster because that's global warming, right? <laughs> so when things go well, it's, it's the same. But the, the photons that come from the sun have lower entropy And so the entropy increase uh, is what allow us to live. In fact, is what makes us live. It's the, what has created life on Earth and what makes the machine turns. So what makes the, the world uh, work is, is entropy, not energy. And in fact, the entire history of uh, star forming, galaxy forming, biology developing, ev- everything, chemical process, the individual chemical process in our cell are all driven by the second law of thermodynamics, but the growth of entropy. So it's entropy that makes the world move, not energy. Wow. And, of course, entropy is only something that grows in our little exactly. corner of the... Exactly. So it comes down to our myopic blurring Exactly. Again. That's the magic of this story, and that's the most fascinating aspect of... Uh, of the nature of time, I would say. This uh, perspectival, this, uh, uh, the fact that after going around so much of this concept, we, we look back at ourselves, right? And this reminds me 
all the study that for century humanity did about the movement of the planets in the sky, right? The, 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 the moon, the sun, the, the stars go around us. And finally, in the, in the Renaissance, we understood why the sky goes around it, us, right? It was, it was well understood. But the answer was not in the sky, it was under our feet, <laughs> was that we move, we live on this stone that spins. And therefore, since we are spinning, we see the, the sky spinning. The sky is not spinning, it's just there. And uh, we understand it as a perspectival effect, as something that pertains to us. Or more precisely, it pertains to the relation between us and, and, and the sky. And I think that ultimately with time, something like that is going on. So to fully understand time, we have to look back at ourselves. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. All thank right. you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.